0: Okay, wait, Scott. My big book is falling apart too. It's my comfort blanket. My name is Nicola. I'm an alcoholic. I didn't quit AA yet. I wanted to say a funny story just to get the juices flowing. Me and Beth went to a Starbucks um, drive-through this morning. We ordered our coffees. We pulled up. We paid for them. We took the card back, and we drove away. And then some, sometime about five to seven minutes later on the highway, we're like, where's our coffee? <laughs> so we did a U-turn. We went back to the Starbucks wondering what the person in there is going to think about us and if we're going to recognize the laugh that's going to come through the drive-through. And, of course, I have an experience like this, and I'm like, I can't speak. Like I can't. Like they want me to speak. They want us to speak. Like we we should just leave for New Jersey. We should just go back home. Like we can't even get coffee, you know. Like we can't even pick up our coffee order that we paid for. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to share that because it was so funny. I mean, it just happened this morning. That was too funny. And then Beth got hit by a truck last Friday, and she's alive. And uh, that's that's amazing. So we have a new um, we have a new joke. Uh, I don't give a truck. <laughs> This is me being nervous, but um, the truth is I got like two hours of sleep because I was so spiritually charged yesterday because I always get fed in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and with speakers that inspire me and move me and motivate me and, you know, speak to something deep inside me that is not of me but is of me, like something in me recognizes the truth in you or... God in me recognizes the God in you, and I, I want to put all of these speakers on pedestals, but it's not fair to them. It's just that I admire the God that works through them, right? The things that open my heart, soften my heart, bring me closer to my heart. This is, like, really moving stuff, and... Um, you know, there's a lot of experience I have with, a fifth, with fifth steps on the giving and the receiving end of them, but I, I always go back to the memory of my first fifth step because it was actually the first time I realized that I was in so much trouble. I didn't know how much trouble I was in. I had sensed that I was in a lot more trouble, that this was so much more about than just not drinking. And I even sensed in early recovery, when I sat in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous how is sitting here for an hour going to keep me sober? Like, I sensed that I didn't have an answer to that and there was something more, there was more depth and weight that I needed, but I didn't know what that was and I didn't really understand what I suffered from and I didn't understand that the problem centered in the mind and in my interpretation of life. It's my interpretation of life and it really needs to be questioned, and it really needs to be examined, and I really need to ask myself, is that really true? Because once I believe certain interpretations of how I see things, with a certain flavor and agenda of what's in it for me, what I don't want to lose, or what I want to get, or what I think I need, right, maybe I just want it, but I say that I need it, I cannot be without it, right? If I don't question this stuff, Life is going to show me that maybe that's not the way. And so, you know, I got incredibly fed last night. And my experience was that, you know, under the influence of alcohol, the power of God goes so deep, right? The power of truth is so deep that under the influence of alcohol, not understanding what was happening to me in a complete moment of silence, Peter talked about like mind is not really involved. Like some 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 deeper intelligence, some higher intelligence is operating. It's part of me. It's deep down inside. I don't really understand that. In that no mind moment of surrender, when I talked about my step one experience, um, I now just lost my mind completely. Um, in that manipulated pause i feel that i've experienced steps one two and three you know it's funny we do not it, you know the fifth the fifth step it, it's it's the first thing they talk about in the chapter into action that means up until this point i've been in the comfort of my room reflecting observing verbalizing reading praying listening I haven't gone out there I'm not a free range alcoholic yet I haven't really taken much action I wasn't a free range alcoholic for four months I was locked down I was in an institution because I was afraid I was going to drink why was I afraid I was going to drink even though I didn't have the mental obsession at that time because I knew I was going to drink so I was safe in a lockdown environment. Then I go into a sober house in Dover, New Jersey, and I'm lucky enough to that you know God provides everything we need. And I meet a sponsor, Lena, that's still my sponsor to this day, like third day in the sober house. I was incredibly lucky, incredibly lucky that got me right into writing. She got, she qualified me, you know. Some questions were posed. Some things were talked about. Some pages were read. I didn't really understand, but I listened. I trusted her. I saw, I saw um, um, freedom in her eyes. She was incredibly attractive. You know, we talk about attraction rather than promotion. I mean, she was attraction. She was attractive. You know, there was something about the way she stood there, the way she looked at me, the way she talked, that was incredibly attractive to me. You know, So I listened. I trusted her. I trusted what she was saying. I trusted her suggestions. I trusted her direction. And she told me to sit down with a piece of paper and a four-column inventory and start writing. And I didn't understand that self-manifested in various ways is what has defeated me. But I needed to see that. I needed to be convinced of that. And manifestations of self, some of them are resentment, anger, annoyance, frustration. My arguments with life, my interpretation of life, And I needed to get down to causes and conditions, and I needed to really see the obstacles or or what was blocking me from living the most honest life, which when I live an honest life, I get to travel lighter. I travel lighter when I live in an honest way. I I wanna be lighter, because when I'm not lighter, I'm prone to wanna have, I I wanna get relief. I, I, I gotta get relief from self my stories about myself and you, my stories about life and my my interpretation of the things in the past, what I need, what I want, the chatter, the non-stop chatter. I mean, when I drank, the wheels of my mind stopped spinning. I need to put my attention somewhere other than my mind. I need to put my, I don't know how to do that when I come into recovery. I don't know how to do that. So, you know, in in the process of the fourth step, you know, it was like, you know, write every day and pray because I got into this contract, right? I, I, I agreed to get into a dialogue with this higher power of its understanding, because I didn't understand it for sure. But I believed that there was something there that was working in my life It didn't matter what it was. My mind would blow any concept out of the water. I mean, I have a philosophy degree with a thesis that there's no God. Like, I'll argue the thing, pointlessly, because from the neck up, reason and logic and loopholes and shortcuts and like, I mean, we can convince ourselves of anything. We can question it infinitely. Right? But thinking and an experience are two different things, right. She was talking about an experience of that. She was talking about does this feel? You know, right get real. Like the fourth step it, it required like a, a level of honesty that I, I'm only capable when I'm in incredible amount of pain when the gift of desperation is present. I, I don't get willing. Willingness was present. I can't make myself willing. I mean, not that I know of. Not, you know. This is where I'm at now. I don't know, maybe five years from now this is going to sound different if I'm around. I, I don't really know what tomorrow brings is the truth. <laughs> but I needed to be, to be willing to tell the truth. And... Um, I worked with my life. I think I talked yesterday that my life was perfectly designed for me to wake up and have an awakening and um, discover the depth of my own being, that it's not of me, and it's very inclusive of all of you. And um, I needed to work with the blueprint of my ego and how I've set the life to be. Right? So the fourth step was an opportunity to really take a look at what's driving these, it wasn't so much about what I did, it was, it was where that came from. Like, what was the motivating factors behind my behaviors? Like, why did I do things that I knew were wrong? Why did I do things that I didn't want to do? How come I put myself in these situations? How come things didn't work out? How come I changed my mind? How come I'm justifying or rationalizing something that I kind of knew it's wrong? You know, the book talks about the mental states that precedes a relapse. I mean, let's talk about mental states that precede cheating, stealing, skimming off the top, Rationalizing. I can rationalize anything. I'm very good at deceiving myself. I can be very deceitful, very delusional. I'll rationalize anything because I don't want to confront some kind of pain or some kind of fear that's driving it because fear, it's a thief. We talk about fear being a thief. It robs me. It robs me. Fear robs me of an experience like this. If it's up to me and my fear, I would never be standing here and speaking, allowing myself this experience. And whatever um, lesson I need to see from that, from facing it, from walking through it, from smelling it, marinating in it, digesting it, being with it, like getting a little closer to it, like what do you want to tell me? Like my life is a perfect blueprint of my ego, the resentments, the fears, the harms. I need to get in touch with pain, And, you know, there's a transformative piece in the fourth step inventory that like goes from like this rigid thinking, I'm right, righteousness, pride, uh, you know, anger, resentment, frustration, annoyance, complaint, blame, all these tools of the mind, right, all these tools of the ego to like, like softening the heart. I needed to drop from the neck down. I don't know about anybody else, but I needed to drop from the neck down. I couldn't afford to be like that anymore. I couldn't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford to sit in resentment or anger or fear for too long. I can't feed that thing. It, it blocks me. It, it, it paralyzes me. It disconnects me. It dries me up. It starves me. I knew I was willing. She said, "Right." I wrote. I didn't know how. I didn't know what. But I was sincere, and I had a prayer. I just want to see some truth. I just want to see some truth. That was my fourth step prayer. Show me. Show me what I need to see. You know. And my mantra today and and often has been, "What do I know that I don't want to know?" What do I know that I don't want to know? Like some part of me knows but I avoid, right? I can I can't look, it's too painful. Like I escape, I avoid. Don't look there. Don't look there. Yeah, you know, I want to control the outcome. Because I'm afraid, so I'll c- come up with different strategies and walk around it and back up and come forward and all of the variations that I play God with life, and I keep hitting walls and I keep like not making it happen. And a few times that something happens, I think that I'm to be credited with it, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, that that worked, you know, when I tried to manage. You know, Scott talked about manage when I manage life, when I, when I manipulate life when I'm manipulating life, when I'm wrestling satisfaction out of life, what's in it for me? Where's mine? I remember asking myself, if I was stuck in an elevator with a bunch of people from my inventory, how would I feel? Would I be able to look them in the eye? Would I feel free? Would I feel light? What is about that that I'm running away from? If I put myself in these jams, in these like setups and ambushes, like what is it that brings me to this place? What decisions have I made in the past that later put me in a position to be hurt? What are my driving values? You know? So I show up for a um, fifth step with the inventory I've written to the best of my knowledge, praying every day, sitting in silence, sitting in in two minutes of silence where I pretend after 30 seconds that I'm still silent. But it was such a great exercise that that she presented to me. My sponsor said, sit for two minutes. Doing what? Nothing. Just sit. Sit for two minutes. Bring attention anywhere other than your mind. Just come be here. And at 30 seconds, I would be cheating. It was great to fail at that because that showed me something. All of my failures, like these, you know, I think I have to do all this perfectly, but actually showing up and making a genuine effort is an exercise in itself. That shows me so much. It was good for me to see. I, 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 I've never questioned myself. I've never sat with myself. Like, I I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know how to verbalize it. It was very good. And then um, I have this inventory that I did to the best of my ability within a short amount of time with a fifth step that's already booked. And, uh, and uh, that's all that's done for the day. Nothing else is booked for the day. We start early in the morning. In the comfort of my little room in a sober house where I'm living, (laughs) which was so great. It was so great. And uh, she came to me because I didn't drive and uh, I didn't have a cell phone yet. I was very broke. And uh, she came early in the morning and uh, we sat down and I had my inventory and I remember shaking. I remember being scared. I don't really know what I was scared of. Sharing this with someone for the first time, getting real with another human being for the first time, being rigorously honest for the first time in my life, right? This is the first person that I'm going to reveal myself in the most vulnerable and raw way, with no agenda and no idea on what, what, you know, just just being real, Just, just like, just go for it, right? all the nook and crannies of my past and, and all the ways that, I, that I'm secretive and, you know, that I lie. Things I've done that, that bring me shame and regret that I don't want to look at and I don't want anybody to know because I'm afraid what you're going to think about me. That you're going to, like, reject me. That I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy enough. Yeah. And you know, there's an experience that we have when we're writing fourth step. I had this experience during the process of writing a fourth step. Like things were seen like just in the in the exercise of writing, but then there was something I I, you know what I don't have the words for it. It's like magical. I don't I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. I don't know. I'm supposed to speak on it, but I, I don't know. It's it's magic. She sat there and she held a safe space. It was like unconditional love was coming out of her. She was an example of real love, you know, And I felt safe enough to share all of these things that I discovered in my inventory. And from the exercise of talking in this very honest way, there was an experience and tremendous experience of humility. In this like confessional element of the fifth step, there was a softening that, that occurred. There was a, it was like that moment called for more honesty. The mind got quieter. Just just the mind was less chatty. I I remember a moment where she just I rem, I remember it clearly. It was like a, a moment. She sat there completely present and quiet, with the deepest of eyes looking at me. And I was like rationalizing some resentment. And at some point I heard myself going blah, 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 blah. Like I saw the futility of it. Like I saw like it was pointless. I saw it was just Chatter. You know, it was like the experience of the fifth step was dropping me more into the heart, right? And I was getting more in touch with, this hurts. It hurts when I move like this. It hurts when I come from this place. You know, like, um, it, it created a more honest conversation with my own self, you know? It's like a couple that's that's you know arguing you, know, you did this you said this you did this it's very surfacey right surface conversation what do you really want to say what is the most honest thing you want to say to this person in this moment i feel disconnected from you that's all that's happening but the mind will interpret it in a million ways Tons of chatter, someone to blame, something should have been done differently, there's some sort of an argument about what you did, inventory, your inventory, my inventory, how I move as opposed to how you move, like this is what the mind does, complicates, it's like a moving target. <laughs> Can't record that, Roger. Huh? <laughs> have to be present for that one. It forced like a more honest conversation, and the first person that I get to like um, do that with is my sponsor. And this God that I'm building a relationship with, this truth, this love—like, what would this look like through the eyes of love? What would love say? very freeing it's very freeing you can't deny it when you have an experience like that it's very freeing it's incredibly light I'm supposed to read a little bit on the fifth step well. so why do, we, why do we share it with a sponsor because in actual practice we usually find a solitary self appraisal insufficient why because I'm incredibly good at deceiving myself and lying to myself and the book warns me if i skip this vital step vital meaning life giving i'm sure to drink or we may not overcome drinking so it's life giving step it's a life giving step it connects me on a deeper level to rigorous honesty that is required i need to be real I need to get humbled. I need to see that my way doesn't work. I need to see that my arguments are pointless, that I have with reality. I need to have let God be God. I need to have, let reality be reality. I need to let life be life. I need to start developing a trust. There were experiences I had in the fifth step that, you know, you see, your know, you, our troubles are of our own making. Like I, I set the stage. You know, I, I, it's like a setup in an ambush. <laughs> You know, you know. I. It's like I have, I get hurt or I get threatened, and then I blame you for it, and I find some kind of in in my mind like reason to blame you for it, and then I pin it on you. But what happened is that some sort of fear showed up. Something got something unresolved. Something that wanted review. Something that wanted my attention. It was knocking on my door. And instead of like asking it, being with it, letting it inform me, I blamed you for having it. My dad, my mom, my lovers, my sister shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? And we're like, you know, like, you know, normal people are like acoustic guitars, we're like electric guitars, like you looked at me the wrong way. I'm thinking all kinds of things. Like, I sit in silence at a meditation retreat next to somebody. We don't talk for an hour, we don't move. The stuff in my head about the person next to me. I mean, I I should be arrested for thinking like this. I shouldn't be allowed to live. Like, there's a whole virtual reality in my mind. Nothing's happening. The only thing that's happening is I'm sitting. I'm sitting on a mat. Nothing else is going on. I'm sitting on a mat. I have taken an inventory of every sound and every person around me that I have never even met. That's what my mind does, takes me away from this moment, takes me away from truth, takes me away from reality. I need to inventory the mind. I need to inventory that as a tool to live my life. Do I want that to, to inform my life? Do I want my mind, after I see the blueprint of it, that ego, do I want to rely on that? Will I trust that maybe a little bit less as a result of this process? Can I free fall into the unknown? What would it look like to not know what's around the corner, to recognize the truth that tomorrow is not promised, that an hour from now is not promised, that every moment is precious, that this might be my last period? What would it, what would it look like for me to be with that? And you know, like, in a fifth step, you recognize that you've betrayed yourself, your deeper self, S with, capital S. You know, when our, like, our heart hurts, like our gut hurts, you know? When that awakens, when that wakes up, when your heart wakes up, when you recognize that, like, you hurt them and you, like, regret it sincerely, you're like, oh, that, that hurts. Like... I can't even face it, and I I need forgiveness. I want forgiveness. How can I not give it? How can I not give it? How can I resent them or have an argument when by the fourth column I recognize how I've moved, the great equalizer? How bad is it real or imaginary? How bad when I sat down, when I saw in fears that I had opposite fears? How can you have two opposite fears? It was like, this is like mind-blowing stuff for me. This is like, you know, just these moments. There were just these moments, there were moments, and they were so significant that they like changed something within me without my permission, without me knowing. I was just available maybe at the time. I'm so grateful for that. Like I don't deserve that. I mean, I didn't talk to my dad for 10 years because of our resentment. This is the stuff we do. This is what like, my mind is capable of. I need to be careful with that. I need to really be careful with that. I broke my own heart. This is why we're heartbreaking. In a trance. Deluded by self-seeking. I step on the toes of others. I block myself from the sunlight of the spirit. I don't trust. So I can't show up in a real way when I don't trust. When I'm driven by fear, I'm not very honest because I have an agenda. Anytime I have an agenda, I have a plan, I want a certain outcome, I can't be honest. Because I wanted to go a certain way. Like, my mom and my sister don't talk for years. It pained me when it started happening, right? This is the only two family members I have. And I was in so much pain, and I found myself, like, you know, manipulating you know, the conversations on the phone. And I would be coming to my sponsor and be like, why am I in so, I'm in so much pain? And I had this, like, idea that, you know, love wins and spirituality and they should be talking. And, and then there was this recognition, like, that's my agenda. What do I know that they should be talking? Like, even, even ego will hide like, behind like spiritual stuff. It will like show up like that. So like, oh, yeah, love, they should be talking. But I'm really coming from a place of judgment. And that's my agenda. Like, I want them to be talking. Life doesn't want them to be talking. They're fine with it. I'm not fine with it their perception of their, of what's going on between them is not my perception of what's going on between them. It's a simple, simple thing that I see in, in a fifth step. And I see patterns of that, and then I see the mind's strategies to keep itself alive and keep itself in the game and a manipulatively, like, um, direct my life. I'm sorry, thank you yeah I'm not very ladylike I didn't drink ladylike I don't some things don't change (laughs) so yeah there was this experience it was a very long fifth step the first one and and, uh, I remember not even the last thing on my mind was drink was a drink wasn't even the last thing on my mind this is why it's an experience you can't miss, you don't want to miss, you shouldn't miss, and I know the book says that about other things, but absolutely cannot, this, cannot skip this vital step. We need to be willing to get raw and to get vulnerable, to get naked with someone. We, we start with, that, with the sponsor, we start with that first person, that's an example of something that's safe for us to be with. We trust that first and we trust where they're at, and we trust this direction, and we just follow the direction, and something magical happens that's not of our doing, but as a result of both of us showing up. She showed up completely willing. I showed up completely willing. In the seeking of that experience, something magical happened. That's why it has to be an experience. It's an experience and it's magical. It needs these ingredients, these like, rigorous honestly and this kind of intent and this kind of attitude that I bring into it and this like, willingness to have a relationship with a higher power even if I don't understand it and I can't conceptualize it and I can't hold it. But you can't hold love. Show me love. Show it to me. Point, Point to it. So whatever I needed to use for that relationship that I was building, for that higher power that I was building a relation, whatever I needed to use to relax the mind, stepping into the unknown, I mean, you don't get more infinite than that. I, I like, needed something super broad, you know? And that's why... Oh, I love this, right? We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning, right? Oh, this is really good. This is really, really good. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled uh, themselves. But they had not learned enough of, and this is really the promise of the fifth step, humility, fearlessness, and honesty, in the sense we, who, A.A., We find it necessary, that means essential, until they told someone else all their life story, until they told somebody else all of those things that you don't want to tell somebody else. That's a stepping, that's courage, that's the stuff I do because my life depends on it. I would only do that because my life depends on it. And it's so true if I have an issue with any step there's a step one experience that wasn't fully experienced <laughs> scott talked about it yesterday there's a, pro- if there's a problem with step two there's a problem with step one if there's a problem i haven't seen the problem i don't i'm not going to seek a solution if i don't know what the problem is i have to be clear on the pro- problem with every fiber of my being and i can't build this radical spiritual stuff on an iffy, iffy, nonchalant, maybe, let's see, conclusion of step one. I need to be chased by step one to do stuff that I would not do. I wouldn't do this. God does this for me. I get to have this experience. I get to be changed by this experience. I get to have experiences that are not of the mind. And in order, and I need those experiences so that I can trust something other than the mind. This is how I get to trust that more and more and develop faith. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. (laughs) (laughs) He's very much the actor and the director and the producer to the other world. He presents his stage character. Yes, I want to be seen a certain way. And I, want, I would like to think of myself in a certain way. I think of myself in a certain way also. right? Especially when I don't want to get in touch with any wound or question mark. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. I know something I don't want to know. Now, try living a life with that. It's it's kind of simple, right? I mean, the book says the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And it's always fresh, and it's always like there's a complexity to it, which is what I love about the big book, and it just like makes me so passionate when I read it. And I always see it with new eyes, but... If I break it down, it's saying the same thing over and over and over again. Me controlling my life doesn't work. I'm not in charge. I know it, but I pretend I don't know it. I know I don't have control. I know I'm completely powerless. I know this at some deep level. The moment I started thinking as a kid, I knew this. I've spent the rest of my life avoiding that truth. AA forces me to yield to that truth. And as a result of that and trusting what happens when I do that, I get to have an experience of something carrying me. And once I have the experience of something carrying me, I am reminded that that thing carried me even before. I had a full-blown religious experience at the age of 12. No one was around me to validate it. I completely shoved it. Never talked about it. Never said it to anybody. Was going to become a nun. Full blown, like, I mean, crying for three days, heart open, in pain, watched the Jesus movie. Couldn't believe what he did, what he was an example. Not a religious household. Don't go to church. Don't read really Like, just, I don't know. I got hit 12 years old. Didn't tell anybody. Nobody around to validate it for me. You know, go on the street corner, sniffing glue, all right. Peer pressure, want to be cool, everybody else is doing it, whatever. Smoke a cigarette, 12 years old. Shoved that thing. Used to look at the stars. There was a mystery about it. It was very attractive. It was very beautiful. I knew there was something out there, but I did not like it. It brought me closer to some wisdom, but I couldn't verbalize it. Shoved it. It took me to come to Alcoholics Anonymous to see truths that were present even before Alcoholics Anonymous. Before my mind decided to um, try to exert control because it's scared. Because I'm really, really scared. Because I don't know what's going to happen to me. Because life is short. Because I have no idea if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Because I don't know if he's going to leave. And I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I don't know if I'll have. And yet, when I didn't have, I was taken care of. I have experiences of being hungry and getting food. I have experiences of being homeless and getting a place. I have experiences of not having enough money and finding it. Not stealing it, finding it. It finding me. That in those moments, whatever was needed, was provided. Fifth step brings me into all that. It just wakes all that up in me. It it gets me from the neck down. It shows me that certain... Character defects and manifestations of self that I give praise to and I think that they're going to see me through life are actually not working and are actually disconnecting me and are actually creating loneliness and are actually creating a separation from me and my fellows. I want connection. I want to get closer to you. I want to feel good with you. I want to feel safe with you. I want to be honest with you. I want you to love me unconditionally. I need to love you unconditionally. I want to be accepted. I need to accept you. This is what I really want. I want to be real, I want to be honest, I don't want to be tight. (sighs) Can't record that, Roger. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees, and my sprees, you know, could be I'm a judgment sprees, resentment sprees, shopping sprees, you know, playing uh, uh, spelling bee on my phone at night when I'm super nervous sprees, and um, you know, sex sprees, money sprees. We do a lot of this, this is sticky stuff for us alcoholics and human beings in general: sex and money. Now, I'm still in the sober house where I came to 16 years ago. I'm very lucky and blessed to have lived with two thousand alcoholics and addicts. I don't we're all individual, unique personalities, children of God, but I no longer see or here much original stuff. And what shows me that also is being on the receiving end of fifth steps. Every fifth step I listen to, and I've listened to a lot of fifth steps. There was a time in my my recovery that they called me the queen of fifth steps. I don't deserve it, and I didn't earn it. But for some reason, I, I, got, I received that. And uh, I recognize that I have been blessed, blessed to have been asked to listen to a lot of fifth steps, including men's fifth steps, fifth steps of women with more time, fifth steps in a group setting, um, not just the women that I have worked with. And each fifth step brings me closer to the truth of my own fifth step or the things I need to see or I recognize manifestations of self. You have them, I have them. You got the alcoholism, I have. It's one alcoholism manifesting itself as a resentment, fear, selfishness, dishonesty, self centeredness, self seeking behaviors. Harms done to others which are inevitable when I operate from these places. When I'm trying to protect something or I have an idea that I'm a separate self. Coming to my senses, I'm revolted at certain episodes. Rage sprees, anger sprees, resentment sprees, lust sprees. that I absolutely remember, not vaguely remember, and I want to forget, and I don't want to be found out, and I'm embarrassed. These memories are a nightmare. I tremble to think someone might have observed me. As fast as I can, I push these memories inside myself. I hope that they'll never see the light of day. I'm under constant fear and tension. What is it like to live a life under constant fear and tension? You don't have to be an AA to answer that question. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in the world. So I choose my sponsor who I trust, who I'm willing to do. I have a sacred contract with my sponsor and I have a sacred contract with God that's already happened in the previous steps and in this this relationship I'm going for. And I'm all in. I need to go all in, get naked, emotionally naked. Be real, lay it all out, and the most amazing things happen. They've done it, too. They've felt it, too. They can relate to it. They tell you the things that don't make sense. I mean, things came out of Lena's, you know, Lena to me was like this angel, you know, like, you know, when we're recovered, you know, like people come up to me and say, I can't believe you were the kind of drunk that you talk about being. I'm like, that's the greatest compliment that God can get or Alcoholics Anonymous can get. That you don't even see me as somebody that drank like that. That you can't even see me as an alcoholic. You believe me, I'm an alcoholic, but you can't see that. And I, in that way, I've seen Lena, when I met her, right? And there was a humanness, a human exchange of, you know, how we try to survive in this world that seems so big and it seems so scary when we're not relying on a higher power when we don't where we don't come from the spirit when we don't come from the truth we we don't come from a deeper place so i don't get to see how when i come from a deeper place or a more honest place that life takes care of itself steps just show up in front of me doors just open up each moment dictates the next moment it's like amazing how that happens when i'm tuned when i'm in tune Less mind. Get your attention away from the mind. That's what the meditation practice has been for 15 and a half years. Most people sit in silence, but they're thinking. Breathe. Pay attention to the heart going up and down, stomach going up and down, your gut. Notice that you have a knee. Get your attention away from the mind. Being, Beth talked about being so well. Direct my attention to what you would have me be. And then when I get in the place of being, more truth gets revealed, has been my experience. And when I get in in touch with the harms I've I've created and the things I have done, especially after seeing my other inventories, I I naturally regret them. Something in me hurts that you have been hurt something in me hurts that you have been hurt because that's how the heart speaks to us right? not the mind what's in it for me but like when I open the heart when the heart opens up when something else takes over when something else is invited also to show up it moves in a totally different way and we are, we, we've entered the world of spirit we're, we're like trying to radically be changed by this and be transformed At first, opportunity is the timeline. I don't postpone or evade mechanics of the fifth step. I dedicate a whole day to it, all day. I don't make any other plans afterwards. I'm prepared. I know it's a life and death errand. I may be scared, but I'm willing to step into the unknown. I've, I've done the third step prayer every single day by this point. It's operating, it's working, I can rely on it. The fear will still be there. The habitual fear will still be present. So I waste no time, and the book talks about that, and I'm prepared for a long talk, and the book talks about that, and I'm reminded that this is a life and and death errand, and I need to ask myself, do I know that this is a life and death errand? And I pocket my pride, and I go to it, right? There's no space for pride. It's not about, look at me. Look at what I've done, the story of me. It's not self-absorbing. It's not a, you know, the the good thing about the fifth step is like your sponsor will also hopefully like show you that your fourth column shouldn't be a better version of your second column, like, you know, like some self-improvement project. Look, I'm working on myself. I've seen this. I've seen this. I've experienced this. I've done this. I've heard this. I've been present to it where we write inventory to improve ourselves. Like, I'm doing it. I'm going to see something. And for me, it's always been really about dropping down. Drop down, right? Let it inform you. Show up for it. Feel the pain of some way that you have been living. Right? We can look the world in the eye. This is actually what happened. After the very first fifth step, which I did at six months sober, living in a sober house, not knowing what I'm doing with as much sincerity as I could, the fifth step ended and there was a quiet hour. It was the first time in my life that I sat in silence for an hour. I didn't know that having that experience would be so important. I didn't know that there was something incredibly empowering about it. It was incredibly like awakening about it. It made me feel incredibly alive. I was, I felt power. I felt powerful after a fifth step. I was exhausted, but I was like spiritually charged. This was my experience. I could look anyone in the eye. Anyone. I felt light. I felt physically light. These are the fifth step experiences. I did the best I could in the most honest way I could with as much raw honesty as I could muster at the time. And even though there was some maturity and innocence about it at the time, it was, it was honest. And God wants honesty, life-like response to deep, true honesty, no matter how simple it is. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Yes, our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. It was incredibly strong. And I knew, oh my God, this is so much more than not drinking. It was really at the end of the fifth step. I heard it in the rooms and read it in the book, but I didn't get it. I didn't get it at that time. But it was after a fifth fifth step experience and seeing the blueprint of my life and willing to look at these uh, inventories from a different angle that I recognized, oh my God, I'm in so much trouble. And I... Make the trouble. I need to be very careful. We feel we're on a broad highway. How broad is a broad highway? It's very inclusive. I had a very expanded feeling, expansive feeling very expansive feeling. My heart was open as a result of a Fifth Step experience, a result of that humility that was present during that process. Because now I had an experience of humility not being so scary. (laughs) And returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. And I thank God from the bottom of my heart that I knew him better, because I've had this experience, right? I'm developing, I'm creating this relationship, and I'm seeing what's possible when I show up and when I follow the directions and when I'm honest and I practice this, some certain spiritual principles that I don't even know are spiritual principles, right? I just show up in a more authentic way, and as a result, I'm given tenfold. And I go over the first five steps. And I really ask myself in this meditation and in this prayer and this moment of gratitude and in, 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 in marinating in that humility and, and in facing my fears and, and letting them out and seeing some stuff and seeing how it made me free as a result of that, right? And I, and I answer it to the best of my ability, and if something comes up, I call my sponsor, and I call my sponsor anyway after the hour. And I remember that that first time after that hour, I, I was okay with continuing to be quiet in my room. That expansive feeling where I was in the body too, not just in the mind. Like I embodied, like there was an experience I was, I was feeling, it was very freeing. It was very elating. Nothing's changed. That was another thing that I realized. Nothing's changed in my life from 8 in the morning until 6 p.m. But I was completely changed. I was completely changed. Life looked different. Downtown Dover and the crooked, sober living room with the crook, you know, the, the floors in the house and the guy that just came out and didn't fly, like, it all looked different. I was different. Oh, I can't see. Oh. And uh, thanks for letting me share.